Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the MetaPortal podcast. I'm Dark Forest Capital, and as ever, I'm joined by my fellow Index Co-op contributor, AG. This week, we're also joined by a special guest from the Decentral Games team, uh, Ryan, who goes by Neutral Spirit on Twitter, and he's their Chief Operations Officer. So we've invited Ryan here today to talk us through in a bit more detail about our recent article uh, where we did a deep dive into DG and the Decentral Games model. Um, and hopefully he's going to help us learn a little bit more about the team, the business model and their plans for the future. So without further ado, Ryan, I think we should um, jump straight in. And if you wouldn't mind giving us a bit of an intro uh, on yourself, how you got into crypto, um, a bit about your background, possibly, and how you ended up working at Decentral Games. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's great to be here and appreciate uh, you have me on a little bit of uh, background about myself. Um, so background was in economics and math, ended up uh, at Capital One out of college and one of those uh, intro roles that's very focused on PowerPoint, Excel, bit of SQL uh, stuff, found that that sort of BI or BA role uh, was not exactly what I was looking for. Um, that was, um, and got a job working at Amazon, eventually in partnerships, uh, in the books business, you know, Amazon's oldest vertical was there for uh, three or four years, really enjoy the partnership side of things um, with an analytical lens, then worked um, for a smaller tech company uh, in LA uh, for roughly the last two years. But um, two founders of Decentral Games, so Miles and Scott, uh, one of them is my younger brother, they've been working in the crypto space for about four years, which is about as long as I've been you know, following developments there, investing there, and advising on this project, Decentral Games, since uh, last year, um, 2020. Say so that project officially kicked off in 2019, and the first raise was in August 2020, it was Digital Currency Group. Um, and so maybe folks listening or yourselves can identify with the fact that what was going on in crypto you know, late 2020 and then into 2021 was just so much more interesting and compelling than my day job. You know, no offense in particular to the team there or the products we were working on, but I just felt so strongly that this was the thing to be working on right now and what I was passionate about. And so um, as of two or three months ago, came on full-time um, a COL working on, you know, partnerships, analytics, marketing, strategy, um, and and really love it. So uh, that's my background there. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for giving us an intro into that. Um, it's a common story that we sort of see reflected uh, definitely across the index co-op where, you know, people from TradFi backgrounds, uh, they take that first step into a Discord or into a community. They see what's going on and then, like, there's almost no going back at that point. A lot of people tend to find it more interesting, like you said, and then they sort of make that leap. And it sounds like you were no different. Was it like a, a cut and dry? Like one day you just went, no, I'm going to leave. Or, or was it something you did as a bit of a side hustle and then sort of found your way into it like that? So it, it definitely, um, it started as something tangentially sort of interested in, then investing in and then following 
uniquely, very lucky, lucky to have a, a brother who's working in the space for about four years. And so, you know, just talking to him all the time about the developments in the Ethereum ecosystem, DeFi. And then I guess what really moved the needle is when things started taking off this year, more feasible as a, as a full-time job that, you know, higher confidence that this is, this is really happening. And once I was convinced that there was, you know, something I could contribute uh, to the project in the space, I would rather work on you know, a small team like this at a, at a startup, um, also with folks I know, I've known Miles for a long time as well, uh, than for one of these large tech companies, although that was, that was great experience and would say between sort of big, tank, big tech and the banking side of things, probably enjoyed the, the tech and, and product focus more uh, than just the, the pure analytical and finance side of things. So this is a good mix of, of all those things. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit more about the team then? Like how many people do you currently have working there and, and how is it scaled to where it is now? Yeah, absolutely. So at launch uh, back in December, about 10 people working on the team. Now that number is uh, the latest one that I have and asked Miles on this was 43 people including 20 folks who are uh, casino hosts. We are the first in-world metaverse employer. These um, hosts play a critical role in welcoming folks into the metaverse, uh, also responding to questions on Discord, but they're there uh, around the clock and can see when new folks arrive in different realms. There's a concept of realms in, in Decentraland and can sort of help people uh, congregate. You don't want a situation where um, there are, you know, seven people in the casino, but across six or seven realms, or if they have questions about how can I get into one of these free play tournaments for, for poker, they can let them know who to reach out to there or if they have any questions about the game. So it's like a real world casino. Uh, it's helpful to have um, someone there answering questions real time and uh, welcoming people in. But then otherwise, uh, a little over 20 sort of full-time fully remote uh, employees across uh, the back-end development uh, of the games, um, you know, 3D modeling, Decentraland is on um, Unity, um, smart contracts, folks working in, in marketing, events. So we have an events operation as well since we're putting on uh, about 12 events a week, two a day, six days a week. Um, so basically across engineering, marketing, uh, events, and, and partnerships as well. Uh, the team has grown quite a bit. I think it's pretty cool that you've got uh, like a foot in each camp with the, you know, the, the core team sort of building it in the real world, as it were, even though you're all working remotely and probably connected through mainly Zoom calls and stuff. But then you've got um, a group of people within the team effectively that work in the metaverse. Uh, and that's something that, you know, me and AG are quite excited about. Um, we'll hopefully have something coming out on that in the next few weeks, like a, a content piece around like how you work in the metaverse, the future of work, um, and that kind of thing. Uh, it's pretty exciting. So I'm, I'm interested to know for you personally, like how much time as COO do you spend in DG venues in Decentraland in, in the metaverse, working in the metaverse? Yeah, so I would say not quite every day. Like I am... Um, in there most days, 
you know, attending some of the events that we have there. And then as as new things open up, trying to be a part of the Decentraland community. So as, you know, a, a company is doing a launch or there's a new uh, NFT gallery in the space, want to branch out and, and visit those other events as well. But not a not a ton of time, maybe 30 to, to 60 minutes a day on, on average, if I had to put a number on it. Yeah, it's still, I guess, more than a lot of people. I think yeah. it's, just, yeah, it's just interesting to, like we're the, I say we, but really you are really at the forefront of this and, and seeing that um, those steps start to take place and people's uh, work life start to merge into these virtual worlds is, is really interesting. Yeah, it, it depends too, like, um, sometimes we'll put on an event that starts uh, in the metaverse with a, a free play event and, and viewing the art that the artist has brought in and then afterwards there's an ama for an hour on uh on discord uh, at which point i might have uh decentraland open in the background but i'm more participating there on the ama um or uh times when i would spend longer as if we're you know sitting around playing uh playing poker at one of the tables and uh that's an engaging experience for a longer period of time and then you know, chatting with folks around the table there, but you know, expect to spend more time there um, over time. Okay, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, so if we move on to talking about like decentral games as a business and a little bit more about um, you know how that works, I think I mentioned in the article basically that there's like a few trends that meet, and that's DG kind of sits in the middle of that including the fact that your venues are inside a virtual world and the technology itself exists on on the blockchain. So that kind of affords a lot of freedom in terms of the direction that you can take uh, with DG and its evolution. So I just wanted to ask like how important to Decentral Games is like the gameplay, the the actual gameplay that that takes place within your venues? So I think gameplay is is really important and, and underpins uh, like you said, much of the other um, experiences there, that uh, it brings more of that social aspect to the forefront than some of the what we would call 2D casinos. Basically, if you've played or seen online poker before, that experience, you can bring more of an interactive element in the metaverse um, in 3D. But certainly, central games uh, were focused on rolling out new games as, as one vertical of the business, and then also bringing, you know, artists, both uh, folks producing pieces of art or, or DJs in into the space as well. And I think later on, we'll talk a bit about the, the Amnesia partnership there. But yeah, I mean, games are definitely at the forefront of it now and, and make up the, the lion's share of the DAO's uh, treasury at the moment. So in terms of like the the casinos, the the venues that you have, right? I the first time I actually set foot in a casino was a decentral games one. Like I've never been to a real life one, so I'm interested to know a bit more about um, like how does the maths work behind it? What are the odds? How do you incorporate that into? Um, I know you've got the, the DG treasury, which has like a gameplay hot wallet, mm -hmm. which allows you to afford for the, the balance of winnings and, and losses over time. So yeah, if you could just talk a bit more about how all that works, that'd be, that'd be really good. Yeah, definitely. So trying the best way to explain this, I think it's, so it's helpful to understand a little bit about 
Polygon, uh, aka Matic Network, uh, which is an EVM-compatible sidechain to Ethereum. Uh, every Ethereum address has a corresponding Matic address, which I mean, it's, it's the same address. So you can bridge funds over to Matic Network, um, and we would call that your, your gameplay wallet, but it's really just the person's um, same Ethereum address, you know, on Matic Network, and their funds are in their uh, Matic wallet. So non-custodial, the funds remain in your wallet the entire time. And there's an authorization by the user um, that by default is, is 12 hours, but it can be updated for us to authorize the treasury contract that you mentioned to access the funds in a very specific way. So only, in the per only for the purposes of, of playing these specific games. And so in terms of the mechanics, um, there's a, a gameplay wallet that sends the transaction over to the, the Polygon network. So let's say you're playing roulette and you selected red, uh, that it's going to land on red or it's going to land on one through 18. The odds are, are handled on chain and we publish our game smart contracts on site as well. And then, I mean, in terms of the odds there in roulette, the house edge is about 2.7%. And that just, you arrive at that because there's a zero uh, green green one there. So basically your return is 18 over or 37 for that particular bet. Um, and so over time, like you said, there's a hot wallet in the treasury that backs when the player wins there. And for, we say player losses or the house is accumulating, that money is deposited into the treasury's game, the treasury hot wallet there. But at the same time, we have this, you know, pretty unique gameplay mining mechanism where DG is earned via active active participation uh, in the ecosystem via this gameplay governance or providing liquidity. But in terms of gameplay, we're targeting that if the house edge is 2.7%, then you're getting back 1.35% of the bet amount, half of that in DG every time you bet, win or lose. And, you know, that's why we say uh, the players are the house because you uh, have this stake in the casino itself where that DG gives you a say in governance uh, over the the treasury. So went a little off track there, but uh, if you have any questions about how you know, the odds, the mechanics, the games work, happy to answer those. No, I think that was a really good explanation. Thanks for taking us through that. So Ryan, maybe you can talk a little bit, like you say, uh, you publish your your smart contracts right so anyone can go and have a look and um so when it comes to the odds i guess this means that i can see how like not the probabilities but like how the selection of like when you when you roll on the roulette right like i can see the math behind like how the number is chosen right and the same with like uh blackjack like I can see the math and the logic behind how the cards are drawn. Yeah, it's it's all um, open source there, and I believe we do a two deck blackjack. Um, but I have to follow up there. Do you find that people look into that? Like, do people actually ask you those questions? Because I basically until we started talking and thinking about the odds i never actually thought about how 
that backend process works in in the central games venues, right? Because in real life casino, you go there and you kind of see the dealer drawing cards or spinning the roulette wheel, and it's kind of like all in front of you. But uh, yeah, like, do you find that people actually ask you the questions and trying to understand the 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 mechanics, or not really? I think I think it comes up um, occasionally, not not super often. I mean to the extent that we have thousands of people who have you know used the product over 10,000 who've played with with free play uniques that i don't think the average person is going in and and auditing the smart contracts there might be then another uh, tier of interest where they're saying i'm going to read the results of smart contract audit um, which all of our smart contracts have been audited by a third party uh, and published. And then probably for the average person, they're content to um, know that they have been audited and you know see that we have a community of thousands of people who aren't crying foul that the games appear to be unfair. Um, and so I'd say in general, folks are not um, you know, bringing up the question all the time, but it definitely comes up. Right. Yeah, I need to. I need to have a look at it myself now. Uh, I'm curious how how that works. Can you talk to us a little bit about the games and maybe like which games do you have available at the moment in in kind of your casinos and maybe like the breakdown of like which are the most popular, where where do players tend to tend to gamble? Like which games do the not just in terms of like how many players play a given game, but like which games attract more capital and, and so on. Like it would be great to understand the mechanics and uh, yeah, how how your players interact with the games. Yeah, for sure. So Slots was actually our, the first proof of concept game, but we are releasing a Slots 2.0 there. Um, so Slots are actually not available right now. Roulette and Blackjack have been continuously available since December for free in crypto gameplay. Blackjack is, is the most popular uh, game in terms of uh, engagement, gameplay volume. Uh, at this point, poker was absolutely the consensus game to focus on and is, is quite hard given with slots, roulette, blackjack, there's no interaction between the players themselves. Um, but with poker, of course, of course there is, or at least um, the move of one player impacts the the odds and uh, moves of other players down the chain. So not to say that online poker isn't a, a solved problem, but when you're bringing that into a metaverse space and you need to show uh, you know, chips physically moving around uh, the table or cards rendering, um, it's taken a little while to do, uh, to get poker out. It's live with free play. We're doing free play tournaments there and are hoping to have the crypto gameplay version out uh, over the next week or two, certainly by the end of the month. And after that, uh, you know, poker slots, there's discussion of Baccarat and craps and uh, future games should be decided by DAO vote. Um, I think just think that the community consensus was so strong around poker that it was a natural uh, game to focus on and have been focused on for, for quite a while. It'll be interesting. Maybe you guys can host... Uh high-end 
poker tournaments for like DAOs, you know, like if a DAO wanted to choose its uh, or to see who its best poker player is, you guys can host that. Absolutely. Yeah, Index Index Cop is going to be the first one. <laughs> um, great. And <laughs> it sounds like um, in terms of the roadmap for uh, the games, it looks like kind of everything is on the table, right? Like you basically um, are thinking that it's possible to replicate um, traditional casino games in in the virtual world, right? Like the the execution might be a bit challenging, like like with poker, but it's it's feasible. Are, are you looking at anything that sort of you can't really find in a traditional casino? So it's funny. One of the the first projects that the team worked on, and this was before my time, was a grant from Decentraland. Uh, I think last spring or last summer just to build out backgammon as a proof of concept. So there is a backgammon, sort of life-size life backgammon table uh, sitting near one of the casinos that, you know, is not, it's just a one-on-one -on -one game. There's no crypto or free play changing hands. And some community members have brought up, uh, you know, building life-size chess or checkered boards um, you could interact with. You know, in the metaverse, I don't think there's a gambling angle to that just because, uh, you know, people can cheat at chess online now uh, just by plugging into one of those, um, you know, computers that can beat any grandmaster. But between that and then this is not something we built, but on I've seen in Decentraland people rebuilt Atari games, uh, some of the like Pong or Space Invaders. Um, in world as well. So there, there are opportunities to bring other games in as well. I think our focus at the moment is replicating in metaverse the most popular uh, casino games, but there's not an infinite number of those, right? I mean, there's we're probably a little over halfway done uh, on that front. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, a little bit like still on the games, but a, a bit off topic. Um, what are your thoughts on bringing in like some more idiosyncratic uh, card games and having like people play peer to peer instead of with the casino? So basically like creating the architecture for these games and creating these like maybe social zones or whatnot um, and allowing players to do kind of peer to peer and from like the business perspective, maybe you taking like a small uh, like a minuscule cut given that you own Polygon and transaction fees are basically non, non-existent. Is that something that is feasible? Does that make any sense at all? Yeah. So what, what kind of games do you, do you have in mind that are like poker would be peer to peer and people can play with free play tokens there, but like just other, you know, the sort of peer to peer card games that you might play on like a family trip or, or something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and you can, I guess, extend it to like just general like board games or whatnot. Um, something that you know is is a bit smaller, a bit more idiosyncratic, um, a bit more of a social experience, and definitely something that's very different from kind of the the casino atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's really interesting and something we can explore down the line. The team is probably focused over the next two quarters on some of the core 
casino games at the moment, but definitely envision something that's been brought up would be grants from uh, the DAO, where if the community wanted uh, a game like that, that maybe the DAO could fund like a you know third party developing it or um, the team pending bandwidth to to work on something like that. But definitely want to branch out uh, the you know art gallery pieces, the live events, streaming those. Um, also going beyond uh, just the games themselves, like real world casinos do uh, as well. All right, Ryan. I think that was a great overview of like the games um, and the the detail behind them as well. I know AG was absolutely chomping at the bit to get into some of the details there, and I can see him going straight off to Etherscan after this to try and figure out how it all works in the background. But um, for for me myself, like I'm quite interested. I think you said you have about a uh, hundred daily active users that are interacting actually with their own crypto at the moment, um, and I just wondered like how tough has it been i know you're only sort of six months old at this point seven months old but how tough has it been to attract new players and what are you doing in in that realm to to bring new users to dg yeah so that's that's a great question i think that's what projects across the metaverse and, and crypto broadly are, are certainly thinking about at the moment um we are there's all the standard uh pieces trying to raise awareness across um, social media. I think that we have a relatively large share um, of Decentraland's overall uh, usage, maybe call it low double digits share there. So it's less so about penetration within Decentraland, but helping to be one of the projects that grows Decentraland, you know, ourselves, Wondermine. Uh, we have probably more like 500 daily active users if you count uh, free play, and then you know 20% of those um, using crypto there. So in the metaverse, that's fairly large, but for you know a traditional uh, business, fairly small. And so part of it is just you know participating and partnering with other projects in the ecosystem. We're really excited about, for example, Boson Protocol uh, coming into Decentraland as well and bringing with them uh, you know their community marketing and resources and seeing more projects like that come in. But on on our side, um, additional games, so the more engaging games that keep people um, in Metaverse longer. Our average session time is only about 15 minutes with poker. We expect that to be uh, longer. Uh, more partner venues. Don't think that's the end-all be-all. We don't expect to have you know 50 different, differently branded casinos with different games, but within uh, an experience. If someone is looking to do something unique in the metaverse and our games can be a part of that experience, either in the background or the forefront, and have others marketing their products and, and services in the metaverse with uh, our games in the background, that's something where we can benefit in a you know, decentralized way there as well off of the growth of the metaverse. And then we recently launched our referral program. So, um, you know, there's a, a referral address that's tied to your Ethereum address. And if someone's clicked through your link uh, and that's the, the first time they came in and played in one of the Decentral Games venues, then you can get a cut of their gameplay indefinitely. And so we think that this referral program as like a, a passive income source for folks who are bringing people in will be a great incentive for, for marketing partners, people in the community, um, et cetera. But chicken and egg problem here, 
where the complaint is sort of that there's not enough engaging content to be in these decentralized metaverses all the time uh, or you know spending quite a bit of time there but at the same time we need more of these projects building uh, building engaging content there so definitely working on the problem to think we're well positioned the business scales really well if and when the metaverse continues to take off okay just quickly jumping back there to the session time that you mentioned um 15 minutes have you been able to compare that to something like online poker or um maybe even like how it works in the real world and see how that stacks up i don't have that stats those stats off the top of my head but i i would definitely expect that's quite a bit lower than a physical casino where you're putting in the time investment to to drive to the casino or even fly there and versus online poker people spend more time uh, playing poker with the social aspect and sort of continuous game aspect where each hand you know plays off the prior one at least in terms of uh, how many chips each person has versus these games that are blackjack roulette more of a a one-off and session times are longer than that during events where we do an hour-long free play event or something like that but i would expect uh, our session times are generally on the low end and that's uh, something we're trying to solve for ryan um what about mobile right so decentraland obviously is like you need there are certain system requirements i guess uh, i don't know if they have a mobile client but um my understanding is that most people interact with Decentraland through uh, through their desktop. And um, I think generally, right, um, a lot of people game on, on mobile, right? Um, I would certainly imagine, I don't know, for free to play, uh, definitely, if I could do that on uh, on my phone, I would do it more uh, more often. Um, What's uh, yeah? What's your take on that? Is that something that can realistically be done within uh, Decentraland? And and like, regardless of that, do you think having a mobile client or a mobile application would improve kind of engagement and the ease uh, with which uh, you know your customers can interact with uh, with the games? It's something we have um, discussed at the moment. The roadmap is just focused on the metaverse angle. We think that that's what was the the vision of the the founders of Decentral Game was the the metaverse aspect there. What the investors were uh, investing in and building it out that uh, it would be great to have a mobile companion there. So to answer the question, Decentraland does not have a mobile version at this point. Uh, don't think that's on the the roadmap for them either so in terms of building it ourselves we could build it and compete with some of the what we would call 2d platforms um, but rather than competing in that crowded space our focus is just uh, the metaverse at the moment but it's definitely been something that's discussed uh, i don't think it's uh, something that'll happen uh like in the next you know three or four quarters okay so while we're on the topic of expansion then ryan i want to move on to something that I'm personally quite excited about, which is the partnership with uh, Amnesia, the club from Ibiza. So I'm a bit of a washed up like drum and bass head. Um, I would love it if my clubbing experiences nowadays were basically sat on a sofa with some food in front of me and just like appreciate the music. So I, I really like the idea of um, a metaverse like version of that. Um, and I'm interested to learn more about how that partnership came about, uh, like who who approached who and, and where do you see it going from here? 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we approached Amnesia on this front. Um, I couldn't tell exactly how that contact was made, but it was one of the folks on our team uh, on the partnerships and investor relations side. Uh, we have done live DJ events, pre-recorded DJ events, um, partnering with you know world-renowned club like Misha Ibiza. We think will put us on the map there and helps us on the event side and bringing in both bigger DJs uh, that they have access to and consistent talent there because it, it's really hard to. It's something that we've learned from an operations perspective to run like this sort of events management and, uh, you know, bringing in folks to fill the calendar there. Um, but if we can have a steady stream of folks coming in who are basically participating in something that's pre-existing and then also planning our own, you know, metaverse specific events, basically. So the combination of those two things uh, should be, should be big. And then, in terms of monetizing that experience, I think that you started to see brands selling uh, branded items in the metaverse. You know, you go to a concert and some people hold on to the the ticket from the concert in the metaverse space. You could say the ticket is something like the the Pope proof of attendance protocol tokens, where um, you know just shows that you were there and then also wearables. So uh, really, so there's there's three angles here from the NFT perspective. There's the like attendance tokens as a sort of collectible there. There's NFTs. So if I would say if the artist happens to be you know, involved in that space or selling NFTs, that's something they can do uh, on the platform the community uh, would be interested in. Uh, Decentraland has recently moved to Matic minting of NFTs as well for their Wearables. So wearables are the the third thing. It would be a a T-shirt, or if if Playboy was doing an event, they might be selling bunny ears. Uh, just totally as an example, um, Atari did Atari branded shoes. Uh, when Dylan Francis performed, uh, he did uh, sweaters, and so uh, that's something where just to give you a sense of the numbers and the scale of the potential business there, because it might sound like a small side thing and perhaps is small compared to like alcohol sales within a club. Uh, but during the Atari Dylan Francis event, we had uh, about 2000 Dylan Francis sweaters claimed and the price of those sweaters was free. But at the time, uh, the Ethereum network was fairly congested and there was a $50 uh, Ethereum transaction fee. So if instead those sweaters had been minted on Matic network, sold for $50, that could have been you know, $100,000 in sales between the venue, the artist, um, and ourselves for putting on the event. So that's an exceptional one. I mean, Dylan Francis is a big... Uh, brand name artists with million plus followers across different avenues there. But uh, I mean, Gucci recently was selling uh, purses for several thousand dollars in Roblox. I think that it's an avenue for sales uh, in the metaverse, both, you know, wearables and things like uh, purses and, and other items uh, there. Yeah, I hadn't realized the impact of that, actually. I was one of those people who claimed uh, the sweater and I remember 
gas being extremely high at the time but um yeah i just couldn't help myself i, I wanted one i didn't realize there was 2000 so that really kind of illustrates the scale of it like a hundred thousand dollars just for that one event um if they had been sold in that way that that's quite incredible and like you talk about this opens up like that that other avenue and starts to bring more liveliness to the whole experience which i think is something that is really important for um, virtual worlds like like decentraland so i just wonder have you got anything else um, in the works at the moment maybe sports or i don't know if you could do something like a, a stage show where you have avatars either performing in real time maybe linked through uh, like motion capture or um a live replay i don't know something something like that that's interesting i so on top of releasing poker and slots um the amnesia piece we've spoken to two a few different projects on the the sports betting angle i i don't think we've gotten to the point where we know exactly what avenue we would take there the hard part about there are a few things that are hard about sports betting you need to have the the sort of oracle that's setting the odds at any given time there's the settlement question uh, no one is really all the way there on a, on the crypto front, and we don't want to partner with a sort of old world, non decentralized custodial, you could say, company who's just doing sports betting. Um, we could try and build it out ourselves for like a limited set of sports, but you have to consider how do we make sports betting in the metaverse as good or better than just going to one of these call them centralized websites and doing sports betting. Um, if we could do the streaming of the event itself, obviously that would be huge. Um, but six months into the, the project's life here, it's not something that we've gone you know, far down that rabbit hole on how to make it happen. Um, but it's something we're keenly interested in. I think sports betting would fit well. And it could be uh, traditional sports, whether it's you know American uh, football, the Premier League or, or esports, uh, any of that. But I would say sports betting is definitely on our minds. Don't have anything to share there. Okay, but I guess you could um, you could do some interesting things with that. Like you could have the the feed for the game streamed in to the metaverse, so it's more interactive, um, which is kind of something you touched on earlier. It's like making these things more interesting than their two D equivalent. I guess is what you're trying to do. Exactly. Cool. Okay. So if we stay on the topic of like liveliness um, and engagement for the time being, one of the things that I found really cool that we've that we've already briefly touched on is like the gameplay mining and the way that you use that to like foster a, a certain environment within the venues. Like for example, by um, adding a bonus on when there's more people at a certain table or or at the same table. Sorry. So. In terms of the venues themselves, do you, do you see the need for them to be close together, like something that you see in the real world? Like, obviously, Las Vegas is the one that everybody knows, um, and everything is all packed into one very dense square. Is the same thing necessary in the metaverse? It's a great question. Um, a couple of years ago, remember when we were talking about Decentraland three or four years ago, it felt absolutely critical, and there was a whole roads infrastructure that's built out. There's still some... Land prices near interesting things, land prices near roads or the center of the map are still a bit more valuable, but the majority use case is folks dropping directly into their 
event of choice from the Decentraland page or from links from whatever their community is. We have teleporters uh, built into our different venues. So if you're in Chateau Satoshi, you can see uh, a rendering of, of Tominoya and teleport right there. Given that teleportation aspect and the people are dropping directly into events, I would say at this stage, less, less so are people you know, going to one event and then walking around the immediate vicinity of that building and seeing what's there. But I think as the metaverse gets built up more, that'll be happening more and more. And, you know, we're excited that uh, Atari and, and Shato Satoshi are um, near a couple other projects building in, in Vegas City District. Likewise, um, Tominoya is near the uh, Vegas Arts District. And so there are some folks who are, are stumbling upon these galleries because they came to one of our events and likely um, someone who came to an arts gallery event and said, I'm just going to walk around and see what else is in you know, the proximity here. Uh, but I, do, I wouldn't say that it's, it's critical. If you're building engaging content in Decentraland, wherever in Decentraland, you can have people teleporting in there via your, your marketing for that event. Okay, yeah. I haven't used one of those teleporters yet, so I'll have to keep an eye out next time I'm in there. I think you've touched on it there. One of the things you probably want is that um, like adjacent activities because the teleporters are great, but mm-hmm. it would still be nice to have that level of spontaneity where you can you know, play a game for a little while with your friends and then you all go off and explore the local area and maybe you stumble across an art gallery or... Um, like the F1 races, I forget what the game is called, but mm-hmm. you know, you, you sort of find those things and engage in them like spontaneously. Yeah, you stumble upon, you know, there's the the PvP soccer game. Maybe we definitely put our NFT store, the wearables there, and the poker lounge next to the primary Tominoya casino. The business center that we have for hosting AMAs is inside Satoshi, uh, the casino there. Um uh, so yeah, it's. I don't want to say it's it's not important. It is um, important. It's just probably not the majority use case right now, and it's something that you know should be an ambition within the metaverse to to create what what you're describing there. Yeah, that's fair enough. I th- think it again goes back to the chicken and egg, like you said earlier. You've got to have these people build the stuff in the first place, and then that attracts more, and then it's it becomes a virtuous cycle at that point. So. If we zoom out just a little bit and talk about um, how DG is currently just based 100% in Decentraland, uh, I was wondering, like, did you make a conscious decision about that? Because as I was writing the piece, it kind of occurred to me, I was like, seems like a lot of eggs in one basket to just choose um, one virtual world. Uh, because we're, we're so early in this, we have no idea like who's going to be the winners eventually. Maybe it'll all be interoperable and it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, interested to know more about the, the decision behind that and if you've got any plans to expand in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So um, not myself, but folks on the team have, have known the Decentraland founders and people in that community since like 2017. So it was a natural choice to build there at first. But at the moment, you know, Axie Infinity is number one in terms of daily active users. I think the latest is close to 100,000, something like that. But it's closed to, to development until next year. Um, and close to, I think, external development folks like us to build on it. The roadmap, it says, you know, first half of next year there. Sandbox 
is in beta, uh, crypto voxels, Somnium space are super interesting since they focused on VR first and have a lot of you know, galleries in that space. But my understanding is that there's not another crypto metaverse where we could build DG today. Um, would love to you know, hear your thoughts there and you know, would love to expand out when that's possible. But basically just the, the way we've built the games uh, back in there, land rights, uh, built everything in Unity. Um, I don't, I don't think that there's a comparable metaverse that we could, you know, port over what we built, and then starting from scratch uh, would be challenging uh, at at this point. Okay, so um, yeah, I think I would say Sandbox. Although, as you said, it's it's still in beta. You know, they're maybe six months away from having something like truly up and running. That seems to me like the next logical step. Um, from our interactions with Sebastian and the team over there, the way that they've targeted that liveliness, that engagement, mm -hmm. that um, like always having something going on when you get into the game. I don't know so much on the technical side how feasible it is, but certainly I think if I had to choose, um, I would say I would love to see like a DG venue in sandbox and i think it would make a lot of sense given what you guys are doing and, and how you've um like expanded to date yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense and i think we definitely uh want to expand when possible and, and make games available uh where people want to play them okay and on the vr side that you mentioned about um obviously voxels and somnium space I see that it's on the roadmap for DG uh, for 2022. I just I did a bit of a deep dive into it because it was interesting just for me personally. I've heard about it for so long. I have a, a friend or two that have got a headset, but it just feels like it struggled to get up and running. And with it being on your roadmap, I just wondered how much um, how much weight you're going to give to it. Like I, I'd imagine it's a pretty development intensive activity to get up and running and whether it'll actually like help you grow your ecosystem or if it's just a, a nice thing to have. Yeah, so it's it's something we have imagined and built the experience around want to have um, available. I believe the first step there and why we would put 2022 is that we need uh, Decentraland support VR at this point. So it's not something we would build independently for our own scenes or, or venues, parcels of land would be something that Decentraland would support. And then we might have to to make some tweaks to ensure that the gameplay experience, you know, works in, in that environment. But don't have a firm timeline there uh, because a lot of it is is dependent on Decentraland's roadmap on that piece, which again highlights uh, the point you made that we are making a concentrated bet on Decentraland and, and their ethos and, and team, uh, and also the treasury, you know, holds a significant amount of land. So are you limited at that point in terms of uh, like the, the technical capabilities? You're, you're limited by the underlying like Decentraland um, games engine, I guess, because what I'm thinking is does VR in Decentraland add like a whole another dimension or is it just a slightly more immersive version of what you've already got? So what I'm thinking is like, if you go to play poker, 
and you're in first person, you know, can you start to pick the cards up, move them around? Do you get like, will you have to unlock another level of granularity through some like really intensive coding at some layer, whether it's Decentraland or uh, I don't know who, like how that comes about, but does it open up like new opportunities for experience basically, or is it just the same thing, but in VR? I think it opens up new opportunities for the experience there and that table games are well suited for it. What makes VR really challenging, maybe that's too grand, uh, grand a statement, but from, a, from an experience perspective, if you've used the Oculus uh, and other platforms there, my experience at least is it takes you out of it when you're doing, doing the movement, like you're climbing a ladder or if you're trying to run, you, you still feel like you're running in place and the, you know, the scene is moving around you. You can do a lot to replicate um, the VR experience better in the ways you were describing, um, sitting down with movements with the hands. And so it's not going to be easy by any means, but it's, it is easier to get closer to that real world experience at a poker, blackjack, roulette, craps, you know, throwing the dice. That's something that you could actually replicate that experience pretty well. And I think that it does just take it a step further uh, if you're in VR with your friends playing poker, that's a bit further than the 3D space, which in turn is a bit further than the 2D rendering of the table from above where you're just clicking on the cards. So I think it it really does add something and that in addition to Decentraland needing to support it, individual projects will have to think about um, how they improve uh, what they design for VR. Mm, yeah, so I'd guess that um, as you add these extra dimensions, as it were, it it's going to help you with not only like potentially new players, but also uh, they're going to spend more, more time in it. Like it, it really, cause obviously it's, it's kicking the ass of like 2d versions already, but then you add this in and you're getting closer to a real life experience, but you don't have to do all of the slogging through an airport and, you know, checking into a hotel and, you know, all of the, all of the, rigmarole that goes along with um actually like doing this stuff in the in the real world you can just put your headset on plug in like call up a few of your friends send them a message in discord or whatever it is and and away you go so it kind of reduces a ton of friction and it's getting more engaging um so it's where you can start to see where all of those things together really like catalyze this for being quite a, an exciting environment to to like play games in it's going to improve the club experience uh, for sure as well. Um, we've seen 3D NFTs are like uh, little statues uh, in the space. I suppose you could start to imagine like a more 3D immersive uh, experience as an NFT that could be sold. Um, there are definitely, yeah, additional avenues there. Yeah, I don't know about that. I um, really enjoy sticky floors when I go clubbing. So uh, maybe yeah. if we can somehow incorporate that. Um, I think AG wanted to jump back in with a question here, actually. So over to you, AG. Yeah, Ryan, two questions. Um, one is like with Somnium, for example, right? So they're very focused on VR. And I would say they're like almost VR first experience in terms of building the, the virtual world. Like what? What are the, I guess, constraints in terms of uh, building a VR first 
venue in insomnium, right? So that's like question number uh, number one. And then the second question is around, you could call it like contingency planning, right? Like with, so you guys obviously are fully in, in Decentraland and you do own a lot of land. And if you were to consider like building in a different virtual world in the future, right? Unless you are actually um, buying land, unless you have land in a desirable location, for example, it's going to become pretty hard to do. So like, how are you thinking about like maybe picking up some parcels in Sandbox or Somnium or whatnot, just as like a contingency, if you do need to kind of migrate or you do want to expand into a different virtual world in the future? Both great questions and give me a lot to think about there. I would have to get back to you about the technical constraints on Somnium space um, and do some more research there uh, to understand how how close we would be to being able to to build there um, and in terms of diversifying into other areas of virtual land it's not something we've explored yet with the the treasury we definitely have uh, investors in our project who are invested in these different metaverses as well who took an interest in decentral games because of that metaverse aspect but weren't necessarily you know, concentrated only in, in Decentraland as well. So we'll have contacts to build in those areas uh, as well, but it's something to think about and, and haven't haven't really explored this at length yet. So um, we'll definitely look into it and get back to you. Yeah, I think it's even, even from simply looking at the map, right? And thinking like, okay, if I were to build a casino uh, in Sandbox, right? Like, where would I like to do it, right? And maybe it's uh, next to like the dead mouse uh, plot, right? Where you can have sort of a, a casino uh, experience on your plot. And then maybe there's a concert on on the adjacent plot. And so there's that cross-pollination. Yeah, so even I think from from that perspective, it would be quite interesting. I know Sandbox, for example, have like a partner partner structure when it comes to the land uh where you can you can get it at like a partner price and it comes with some like not strings attached but with some uh, criteria caveats around it but yeah i think it's something that could be interesting to to kind of explore from simply uh, yeah contingency or forward planning sort of angle yeah i agree that's that's really interesting you need to do um you know do some more due diligence there oh um paul back back to you i think uh you want to dig into the treasure a little bit and uh i'll fade back into the background <laughs> no worries yeah i think the question on diversification and holding other land as a hedge uh, brings us nicely onto that actually so when i was writing the article um, a few things stood out to me in terms of how dg is like whether by luck, or to me, it seemed like by design, you know, you're using layer two in the background and you're quite well diversified in terms of your treasury allocation. And both of those things, I've seen them come up time and time again across a number of different DAOs in crypto recently. Um, so it seems like DG is ahead of the game, basically, um, pun not intended there. So I just wanted to 
get your thoughts really and, and get a bit of an understanding of if you have an overall strategy. I know that DG holders are able to um, vote on allocating profits uh, into different uh, diversification options, but if there's any kind of guidance from, from the team there and how you think about uh, your treasury allocation overall. Yeah, absolutely. And appreciated the super well-researched article on the subject as well a couple of days ago. So firstly, I mean, DG is currently generating revenue from the gameplay and the Matic node primarily, also from uh, NFT sales and providing liquidity. Uh, and I think that that sets us apart from most DAO treasuries, which are really more comparable to what we would call like an ecosystem fund. Like Uniswap has $4 billion at their disposal um, with a B, but that's all uni tokens from, from the original allocation there. And many projects have you know, a percentage of their supply set aside. And if you're just spending, uh, like if we just had at our disposal DG, you know, that's potentially downward pressure on uh, on the price. And so we would rather spend, you know, other ERC-20s on these sort of um, endeavors like uh, recently purchasing land a few months ago. We were able to use a, a big chunk of the gameplay, the DAO's gameplay earnings to date on purchasing 600 parcels of land. And I would say in terms of an overarching strategy, it would be that the in the short run, we want to make sure that we're self-sufficient, like a principle of self-sufficiency with regard to we want to own the land that we're building on. And that's that's a principle for us. And so we have quite a bit of land to continue to build on. We run a Decentraland node, one of the 12. We run now the fourth or fifth largest Matic node. That turned out to be a really great investment as Matic has done so well uh, this year. And to you know, also supply liquidity where possible, which is something that you know, nascent pro projects absolutely need is, is mostly liquidity between their ERC-20 token and ETH, because then um, your token becomes tradable with everything else that has liquidity with ETH. Um, and then in terms of other holdings, uh, just functionally, we need to hold some amount of the five ERC-20 tokens that back the bets on Matic Network for house losses. So we're holding six figures in Mana, Dai, USDT, ETH, and an Atari token. Uh, so in, in the short run, having diversified set of assets, but not just diversifying in such a way that it's like a, a fund or ETF, but investing in the infrastructure that we're actually building on and in the space, the metaverse there. The long-term vision, as we want to continue to supply uh, DG rewards to folks who are staking in governance and participating in the governance of the ecosystem and also um, want to continue to supply DG uh, to gameplay, uh, as we've talked about there. Only 1 million tokens will ever exist. About a quarter of those have been minted. So I think the current circulating supply is about 240,000. In the very long term, uh, you know, we're talking three to five years, uh, which in crypto is very long term, earnings from the from gameplay and these other productive revenue streams, like we talked about the sales of wearables earlier, um, the DAO could vote on buying back DG to allocate to gameplay and governance. Um, and so then over a, a very long period of time, that sort of price earnings model of how much the uh, the different venues are earning 
um, actually feeds back into the valuation of, of DG. And that's how we plan to maintain governance rewards and gameplay rewards uh, indefinitely. Although the gameplay rewards are currently backed uh, by the white paper until 2025. So um, it won't be strictly necessary for quite some time. Yeah, I think that's an interesting topic. Um, I mean, we saw Yearn run out of Wi-Fi tokens to to pay themselves and have to mint a load more. Um, we certainly see a lot of our competitors really burning through their governance tokens. So it's good that you're already starting to consider, you know, what happens in the future and how you'll implement a, a buyback and make type model, I guess, to to keep the the gameplay mining active and, and make sure that people can continue to like participate in being the house effectively. Uh, I just wanted to touch quickly on the land side of things. So I really like the idea of owning the land that you build on, as you said, and like, you know, it's all part and parcel of, of being part of the Decentraland community. Have you had any thoughts um, and have there been any proposals around like making that land productive if you've not built on it if you own some parcels that are that are going free maybe you could rent them out is there even a possibility to like have franchises in the future where somebody comes along with a great building design and um, you can basically deploy your games inside it and and between the the two of you share the the revenues yeah absolutely the latter point is really on the the partner casino um, angle there so expect to have more folks building both on our land and on Vegas land uh, where we would deploy our games under a, a rev share. And then, so Amnesia will be on, um, I don't think we've announced the exact number of parcels, but let's say it's it's 40 or 50 parcels for these two club venues. You know, it's unlikely that club like Amnesia is gonna say, I wanna spend, uh, you know, $200,000 upfront to buy that much land, or I want to enter into this extensive lease agreement. Instead, land and the ability to build on our land is something we can offer to to partners as a part of a deal with them. And we are definitely open to DAO proposals for making the rest of the land more productive, deploying builds. Um, it's not something that we've, uh, we've seen so far, but uh, we are not using the majority of the land uh, at this time, probably we're we're in the 250 to 300 parcels used or under development out of uh, a thousand. That's uh, yeah, that's really interesting. A question for you, like the question is, how easy it is to deploy a game, right? Like into into a parcel. So, and and the reason I'm asking is, if I'm any sort of venue or or business in a virtual world right and um part of what i'm offering is experience right like even let's take a an example of like an nft gallery or something that um we've been thinking about recently a little bit is uh like our uh, headquarters right in in a virtual world how easy it is for us for example to deploy uh, a blackjack table at our headquarters, right? Like if if we're gonna if we're gonna see people come in and, and sort of socialize and and hang out and we can deploy yeah like a, a blackjack table or a roulette table, whatever, just to uh, create that extra bit of experience. Um, yeah, how easy is it to do? And uh, are there any issues with like 
thousand small businesses in the virtual world deploying uh, individual, maybe one or two tables, uh, things like that? It's a great question. And the vision of Decentral Games is to be open in that respect as well, decentralizing the availability of the games. At this point, six months in, we released our NPM package for pushing games across, pushing updates and things to games across venues, uh, I think about two months ago, which now makes managing the four, uh, or I should say five, including the Flamingos, which is uh, live, but they haven't done uh, the launch event yet. But it's only possible due to some operator operator points in Decentraland specifically for us to deploy the games right now on parcels that we directly own or have operator light, rights on or Vegas City parcels where Vegas City owns around 5,000 parcels uh, ar around, including we're sort of inside of that and own parcels in different areas. So we have a really tight relationship with Vegas City under agreements with them. And so when we launched like the Atari Casino, we did that build uh, Vegas City deploys and maintains the games on Vegas City land. But for just at this point, it's not possible for us to just deploy a blackjack table onto an arbitrary parcel of land because we wouldn't be able to push updates by design to um, a parcel of land where we don't have those operator rights or uh, Vegas City doesn't have those operator rights. So that's uh, an issue that uh, we need to find a a solution to over time but haven't gotten haven't gotten that far down down the pipe basically okay no that's uh that's a great point i'm i'm sure there are kind of uh things behind behind the scenes operating um things that, that we don't really have visibility into um and uh it might seem super cool to allow anyone to deploy a single table but obviously there's um operational uh issues there another question um i had for you and uh, <laughs> not to um not to keep hammering on this uh idea of land in different virtual worlds right but like um you briefly mentioned that like your treasury or uh, you guys yourselves are not like a real estate investment trust right like you're not a REIT. but i've i've talked to several people who are looking for a REIT, right? Who are looking for real estate exposure across different virtual worlds. So I was thinking that if you sort of did have land across different virtual worlds, that's like an interesting investment thesis for your token, right? Like a lot of people, like some people will buy the DG token because they sort of believe in the idea of virtual entertainment right and they like they really buy into that thesis but others might buy the dg token because of the land that is held in a treasury across different virtual worlds so that they'll buy it as a bet on virtual uh real estate how um yeah what, what do you think about that yeah i mean i think it's it's an interesting angle and investment thesis there i think that you know, being that it's a uh, a DAO um, would be interesting to get the community's take on that sort of diversification versus, um, you know, land has only gotten more expensive in Decentraland as well since we've we've purchased it in, you know, middle of last year, November, and then we did a purchase in, I want to say late March, early April. So, yeah, it's 
it's definitely an interesting angle for diversification and would probably be more make more sense to to our community and, and our thesis as we're buying sandbox land in a good spot so that we can ultimately deploy there. Um, we wouldn't just buy virtual land as a diversification, I don't think, uh, if we didn't feel like we could build there in the near future. But with sort of both of those angles met, it, it makes sense, to me at least. Okay, and the last thing that I wanted to touch on really, um, pulling us back to like the, the treasury and the allocation that you've got there. One kind of risk that I, I kind of spotted or, or that I think that you've got is you're kind of under allocated to um, stable coins at the moment. So while the treasury is diverse, I noticed um, in the last few weeks when everything's been volatile and uh, basically going down, um, a lot of the assets that you hold are highly correlated. And so that means that there's potential for improvement there. Um, have you guys like had a look at that recently? Do you do you monitor that? Do you consider it? And have you got any plans to like try and mitigate that? Yeah, there's been a lot of really great discussion in our governance channel and Discord over the last week or so about this very topic. Every, everywhere from between, we should hold a third of our assets in stable coins to we should hold zero stable coins besides um, the DAI and USDT that we use to back bets. Um, you know, the arguments being decentral games should be a, a concentrated bet on the metaverse and this sort of both layer two and metaverse land point to the point that we are highly correlated with with ETH and MANA. I think it, it really depends whether you, at least my personal perspective, are totally bought into this idea that ETH is like the base unit of account in the space. Like land values, uh, I would say we bought land at an average of, you know, 1500 to 2000 a parcel. It went up to 7700 a parcel and now down to 4000 a parcel. So still doing well in US dollar terms there. But the background point to make is like, we still own 1,007 parcels of land, like whether they're worth $2,000 or $10,000. Likewise, you know, the the pool of Matic tokens is is growing. Gameplay Treasury is, is growing there in an absolute number of tokens and therefore sort of stake in these different projects. So I, I can see both sides of that that argument of how we should be both diversified across crypto and within crypto and stables. And the team itself has done raises and holds stable coins in development funds to to pay for uh, development and, and salaries and, and things like that. So we should announce uh, over the next few weeks to a month, like a, a latest round raise. We haven't since we did the, the seed round, but the development fund is holding stable coins to pay day-to-day -day expenses. So that's another area of potential diversification that I think might be interesting to you guys as you think about different projects, like maybe this project you're researching owns most entirely their own token in their treasury, or maybe they have a diversified set of ERC-20s, but they actually have quite a bit of stable coin runway to continue to build. So. We've also been thinking about like that balance of what's our total quote unquote portfolio look like across development funds and, and DAO funds. Okay, yeah, I think opening it up to to include that, like it starts to make a lot more sense. Um, obviously being like asset managers as the index co-op, it's a subject that comes up very often uh, mm -hmm. and we're paying like 
very close attention to you know what other DAOs are doing, what they have to say. Um, and we're starting to actually see the rise of like treasury management as a service. So there's the Llama community, uh, Yam obviously pivoted after completely destroying their token um, during DeFi summer. And they have now formed uh, one part of their, their DAO is around like putting forward treasury management proposals. So yeah, if, if it's something that you wanted to uh, get a bit more insight into, then I think as index co-op representatives would definitely be like really up for um, start, like starting a conversation basically and, and trying to help you out around that kind of thing. Awesome. Yeah, really appreciate it and have appreciated all the support and insights up to this point as well. Yeah, no worries. I mean, that, that kind of wraps it up, really. I was just going to say that um, in writing the article, like ever since we sort of were introduced to you guys and we held our, our launch party in Tominoya Casino, like we've been really impressed with the team, level of professionalism, like the community, the whole lot. And then, as I say, diving into the project and seeing that you're already on layer two, you're already diversifying your treasury, you're thinking about like how you can partner with um, things that are tangential or adjacent to your like core gameplay model. All of this stuff just adds up to show that, like I was super impressed with DG. I, I think you've got a, a really good opportunity. There's a couple of risks as we've talked through, like um, how do you expand to other virtual worlds, uh, what, you, what you can do in terms of your treasury management. But uh, yeah, on the whole, I think, you got to let us know like what comes next for you guys because whatever it is i want to be implementing it at index co-op basically absolutely really appreciate the the kind words and think what you guys are doing is amazing as well both for DeFi with dpi and with this metaverse index for folks to get exposure there and we're really happy to be included in mvi and to host the the launch party for that awesome well thanks for joining us today ryan um, it has been a pleasure and uh, yeah we look forward to hopefully a, a long relationship into the future all right well thank you all for joining as well um great to meet you all on this call great thanks ryan appreciate the time thanks